Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Play bouncing the dribble, gets to the paint, step back, fadeaway jumper, slides it home. He saw Jordan coming over instead of going to the rim, step back, that created space for him. Nice shot by Clay Thompson. Curry bumping with Collison, stumbles the ball. DeAndre Jordan leads out Jamal Crawford two on one. Collison on the break of the rejected by Draymond. Knock it away. Came out of nowhere and said, get that out of here. Curry in stride. Behind the back dribble. Works on Chris Ball. Gets by him again. High off the window again. Same thing. Tumbles down Curry. One of the foul from Rodney Mott. He throws his mouth guard in disgust at Rodney Mott. And he should get a T because he can't do that. But the message has been delivered to Rodney Mott by Steph Curry. And there can't be a double standard here. Some of the highlights from Games 1 and Game 2 of the playoff series, Warriors and Clippers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, inviting you once again to take a seat around the Warriors Weekly Roundtable here on CanBR 680. Now, coming up on tonight's show, great news for the Golden State Warriors this week as owners Joe Lacob, Peter Goober, and team COO Rick Welts announced that the team has bought a site in Mission Bay in San Francisco to build a new arena to be opened by the year 2018. We will hear from all three coming up later on in the show. We'll also hear from Harrison Barnes and Jermaine O'Neal from today's workout at Oracle, plus what Steph Curry had to say to the assembled media. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports comes by later on in the hour to talk Warriors and Clippers and NBA playoff basketball, plus his thoughts on Oakland, the cradle of point guards in the NBA. And we'll also hear from new Hall of Famer Sherudis Marshallonis, who attended Oracle for a Warriors game recently. We'll talk to him about the upcoming induction ceremony. It's all this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on CanBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads a three on two, finds Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors.com Playoff Central is your official home for Warriors playoff coverage. Get exclusive content and up-to-the-minute social media updates, including Warriors news and behind-the-scenes videos, plus much, much more. For exclusive Warriors playoff coverage, go to warriors.com slash playoffs. Earlier today, the Warriors held a workout out at Oracle Arena, getting ready for Game 3 tomorrow night, 7 o'clock our airtime here on KMBR 680. And Jermaine O'Neal had some thoughts on Games 1 and Game 2, and I had a chance to catch up with him at the morning workout. The tale of... Uh two different teams, you know, um, we came out with uh, more aggression, we felt like um, obviously we didn't start the game what we want in game one, but we collectively, uh, for the majority of the game, we played with more aggression, we played with more composure, uh, versus game two, they played with more aggression, uh, more composure, so, you know, as far as X's and O's, it's not a lot going to change between the two, it's going to be some minor adjustments, uh, but, you know team that is the most aggressive uh, for the longest period of time, I think, is going to win the series. You've been in a number of playoff series. There's no real carryover from game to game, is there, for the most part? No. You know, it's uh, it's, it's much different than the regular season. Um, you know, I think it's more of an urgency um, in the playoffs because, you know, every game really counts, and in, in the regular season is more, you know, it's off to the next game, you know, just trying to, you know, trying to make sure that you um, get to the end of the season, but this is the end of the season for us. And, you know, every game really counts, and uh, we work really hard and 
um, in game one to get home court and, um, you know, not coming out and performing the way we are capable of performing uh, in game three we kind of take away from what we did in game one. What is uh, the difficulties of, of trying to match up with a guy like Blake Griffin? Well, it's not necessarily just him. I think it's, it's, it's collectively what they do as a group. You know, you have to help um, in a lot of areas. You know, with J.J. Redick and those guys coming off, uh, Chris Paul puts a lot of pressure on the defense um, with his penetration, and you know, he holds on to it for quite some bit uh, and probes uh, the lane. So uh, it's a lot of things that's going into that. Obviously, Blake is a, is a great athlete, and he's having, a, he's having an MVP-type year, but... Um, you know, even all the way down to DeAndre Jordan, who lurks around the rim uh, for lob dunks and doesn't need much room to get up and get the uh, get the ball to dunk it. Um, so, you know, it puts a lot of pressure in on, on our defense on what we have to do to, to try to slow not only Blake down but the rest of the guys down. Um, and I think we're fully capable. Um, we just got to just make sure that when we don't turn the ball over, we make sure we get up shots at the rim, uh, which puts our defense in a better position. Uh, and just really staying composed. You know, we're home on our home court now, and uh, the energy um, that we'll need to be successful should, should come a lot easier than uh, what we had in, in Staples Center. What did you think of uh, Doc Rivers' comments that both you guys, that you guys are both stubborn uh, Libras? I think it was. <laughs> well, you know, we we know we know each other. I think uh, you know, obviously, I played for him in Boston. Um, so, you know, this league is about intensity. It's about aggression. It's about. Um, it's about a little bit of everything, and you know, if, if you know, I'm sure if, if he sees it the same way I see it. If somebody, I don't care if it's the, you know, tower guy, you know, if, if you know, if it's if it's about you know me or my team, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say something, and I'm sure he's gonna say something. It's about him or anybody in his organization. So it's one of those situations where we said what we had to say towards each other, and we moved on and laughed about it a couple of minutes later. Final question: have, have any of your teammates told you what to expect uh, from Oracle? Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of, I've heard about it. You know, I've actually you know I watched it uh, last year as well. So, um, but obviously you can't get a feel of, of an environment uh, sitting on your couch watching it at home. Um, I heard it's, it's it's bananas, and you know, and uh, I'm looking uh, forward to seeing exactly just how loud this building can get. I think we can we can be able to set some type of record. Hopefully, they got a meter or something in here tomorrow uh, where we can show the world that we have the best fans in all the sports and. Um, and, I, and hopefully, you know, myself, and my teammates understand what the what the bonus and the plus of us playing in Oracle does for our team, and we take full advantage of it. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. That's Warrior Center Jermaine O'Neal. Warriors guard Steph Curry had a chance to talk to the assembled media. Here's part of that conversation. What was the difference between a, your, your first first six quarters in the series and the second half for you offensively? Um, I was able to get get in the paint more. Um, get to the center of the team's defense a lot more opportunities open up and it's kind of what happened I was able to get to the basket more than I had the first six quarters so I look to do that a lot more just attacking the pick and roll even if it's a trap and I'm trying to make plays. Did you attack more because you felt a need to or because there was an opening you saw? Uh. <laughs> How do you balance when to get more of your teammates involved and when to maybe try to take over a game yourself? Um, you, I mean, you come in with a game plan in mind, and, I, and, and most of the time it's just kind of how you read this, each individual situation, each possession. Um, early in games, 
for the flow of our offense to kind of establish the way we want it to. It's about running our sets and then making the right play. Um, and as the game goes on, you understand it's kind of just a natural understanding of um, you know, what, what, what's needed at the moment and how guys are playing, how guys are shooting, whether it's myself or my teammates, and, and uh, kind of just feeling it out. Will, will your approach be different this time, Steph, in terms of maybe less looking for teammates and more trying to get yourself started right out of the game, especially because of the way you guys started the last two games? That's the biggest thing. We, I need to be aggressive as much as possible to, to get us you know, out of this lull in the first six minutes. You know, they've gotten double-digit lead quickly, so we were able to come back in game one and weren't able to do anything in game two. So um, you know, whatever plays we're calling, I need to figure out how to draw enough attention that we get open shots or you know, force the issue to, to get into the paint and make plays um, and get us you know, a, a little more of a rhythm offensively. Uh, but I mean, a lot of us talked about the traps and all that kind of stuff. If we don't, if we give up 140 every night, we're not going to win anything. So def- defensively is the biggest thing for us, especially starting games. With Andrew Bogut out, does the team have to adjust how it defends Blake Griffin? Um, I mean, we got to be aware of where he is in the, you know, in the post and, and sending help. Um, and he's obviously played well in game two, so we got to make an adjustment. We got guys that can guard him one on one, but. If you allow him, you know, eight, nine dribbles in the post, he's, he's a pretty strong guy. He's going to get to a spot and, and be able to make plays. So we got to, you know, play that cat and mouse game with him, um, make some adjustments, and, and just be physical. How do you said that the screens uh, assignments uh, change when you're a new devil team a guy? How difficult is it to defend the other four players with just three guys? Uh, I mean, it's it's not ideal, but when everybody's on the, on the, on the same page and on the string with their rotations, we're quick enough and smart enough as a de- defensive team to, to make those reads and make those plays um, and force them to, to beat us from the outside. Um, and, you know, throughout the course of a series and obviously during the season, those percentages are less likely to, likely to beat you than, you know, guys getting points at ground zero right here at the, in the paint. Coach said the screens other than Jermon uh, need to be improved. How, how have they affected uh, what you've been able to do to – I got to set my guy up better and, um, you know, get to my spots where the screen is going to be effective. You know, CP and Darren are are pretty quick guards, so um, if we don't get a body on them, that trap becomes more effective. Um, If I'm able to get more space, you know, to go one-on-one against a big, that's that's the reason we're running those pick and rolls to get that kind of situation. And, you know, we need to be physical on both ends of it, so... Um, you know, we did it a, a little better in game one, which allowed the you know the big to get to his spot, and you know, we got four on three advantage. We got a lot of dunks and layups out of it. Uh, game two, they made a couple adjustments, and so now we got to do the same. Are they doing being more physical than they were previously? No, they were just quicker to their rotations and, and understood a little more, I guess, where um, where they needed to be. And what what shots they were they were gonna try to you know to force us into. Um, so if we execute better than we did in, in game you know game two you know, tomorrow we'll be fine. Steph, you showed a, a little more outward fire than we're used to seeing there in the third quarter. What, what kind of statement were you trying to make there? 
I mean, I was just obviously frustrated with you know, what the score was and they got hit a couple times and didn't get a call. So, um, like, I, like I said earlier, I was just, you know, just letting them know how I felt at the time. And, you know, we're not going, we're not going to quit. We're not going to, you know, just lay down and allow a team to, uh, to do what they want against us. We're going to be physical, come back. And like I said, it's, it's about that competitive fire for game three that, that we're going to need to, to get it done and protect our home court. They shot threes up until less than two minutes, like 132. I think they made it last year, shot their last three. What, what did you think? Did you think they were trying to run the score? Did that bother you at all? Oh, they were doing another no, that's the lineup. They, I mean, how I read it, they got guys, that's what they do in that second unit. You got Turkaloo, Willie Green, Danny Granger, Jared Dudley. Most of those guys shoot three, so we probably would have done the same. I'm not going to read into that at all. Uh, like I said, one one loss in the playoffs doesn't matter how really how much it is. Um, whether it's one or 40, it's still 1-1. One, one. Coming back game three, so we'll be, be ready to go. Doc said uh, after game one that Chris Paul takes losses so hard that he's not even sure he likes the way he takes it. Do you handle a loss like that similarly, or how does it go for you? I mean, once I go home, it's, I'm the same guy. I'm not – I try not to let what happened on the court affect anything you know, at home and that kind of deal. It does affect me. To the point where I'm thinking about it for a lot, you know, long time, and enough to, you know, that focus for that next game to make the adjustments and not have that losing feeling is pretty powerful. So um, any any competitor hates the feeling of losing and, and wants to do whatever they can the next game to to make it happen. Um, or to make you know get that winning feeling back, so that's that's kind of my mentality. But I don't I don't go home and you know quarantine myself kind of deal. I just ready for next for game three. And have you been kicking yourself since last? Oh yeah, that means opportunity. We, we felt like we, we let go to be competitive, whether we were won or lost. Who knows? But you know the way it happened was definitely disappointing. So um, it was hard to let that one go, but. Two days in between games it was nice to uh, to kind of reboot and, and uh, get ready for tomorrow. You know, we talk a lot about home court advantage, and as we sit here, this is about the last time it's going to be quiet in here for a couple of days. The wave of volume is it a wave of momentum in real terms? It, it should be if we take care of business. Um, we've always said this is the best arena in the, in the NBA, and the, especially during the playoffs, the, the atmosphere is. It's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't been in here during during that uh, one of those games. So, um, but we can't come in and expect the fans to uh, you know to will us to victory. We got to do it together. That's kind of the mentality. If we don't take care of business, um, they're gonna have nothing to cheer about. But if we come out and play the way we're supposed to, um, it's gonna be electric. Did you, did you see something in that second half that you kind of figured out last game? That will help going forward. You think? Uh, just however I can get into the paint, a lot of things open up. Um, you know, they're very wary of our shooters, and they, um, you know, they rely on that trap to kind of take us out of our offense. So if, if I'm able to get into the paint, whether like I said, whether I'm getting to you know 
those finishes like I did in the, in the third quarter or making plays, kicking it out, that's, that's where I need to be um, for our offense to be effective. From Steph Curry, we move on to Harrison Barnes, who's coming off the bench and playing some of the best basketball of the season right now. What can you take out of game two, if anything at all, that can help you in the series? <laughs> the fact that if you don't come ready to play, you know, in the playoffs, teams will kill you. You know, the, you got to give credit to the Clippers. They obviously came out, executed their game plan. You know, we just didn't, you know, match their force, and, you know, we got embarrassed. So, you know, we're obviously looking forward to being back at home. How easy or how hard is it to forget about that and say, okay, we got a split and we're in business? After losing the way we did, it's, it's very easy to put that one behind us. You know, uh, it, was, it was a hard film session we had yesterday, you know, a little tougher one that we had today, and I think everyone's going to be ready to go tomorrow. Are you playing Harrison Barnes-style basketball at the right time? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not back to uh, 100%, but I'm, I'm getting there. You know, shots are falling. I'm feeling a lot more confident. You know, just continue to try to help the team, you know, however I can, whether it's you know, scoring points or just defense. Is confidence maybe the most underrated thing in pro sports? Because, you know, everybody talks about mechanics and things like that, but if you're not confident, you're not going to play well. That is true. I mean, you can have all the skill in the world, but, you know, confidence is something that, you know, can't be matched. You know, if you have a lot of confidence in your jumper, confidence in your game, uh, you know, it, it helps a lot. And when you play with guys like, you know, I do, you know, with great teammates, great coaches, you know, and a head coach that believes in you, you know, it gives you a lot of confidence. You're not matched up on guys like Chris Paul or Blake Griffin in this series. But what are your responsibilities with those two? Well, the funny thing is, coming off the bench, you never know who you're going to be matched up with. You know, I, you might be matched up with DeAndre. You might be matched up with Blake. You might be matched up with J.J. Redick. You might be matched up with CP. So, you know, my job is pretty much to, you know, whatever assignment I come in at, is to just know what we're doing. You know, whether it's Chris Paul, you know, being physical with him, whether it's, you know, Blake, you know, obviously warning him off the block, that kind of stuff. You've played in the playoffs at Oracle before. What's going to be like this time around? I think because of the opponent, I think it will be, uh, you know, a little bit more exciting. <laughs> you know, we have a little history with the Clippers, and, you know, this is this is the best arena, you know, I think in all the sports in terms of playoffs. And uh, how excited are you for Game 3? Can't wait. Can't wait, man. Uh the time won't get here soon enough for game time. That's Harrison Barnes. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. The Warriors making news yesterday, announcing that they have purchased land in the Mission Bay area of San Francisco and will build a new arena on that site for the year 2018. We'll hear from Warriors owners Joe Lacob and Peter Goober as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. <laughs> Oh. it over Duncan. <laughs> Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Golden State Warriors made some news with the announcement that they have bought land from Salesforce.com in Mission Bay and plan to build an arena opening in the year 2018. Here's Warriors co-executive chairman Peter Goober. What our team envisions is a venue for the social chorus, a site that will fit into the city's cultural heritage and be a gathering place for the best artists, performers, athletes, and citizens to share world-class experiences in person, face-to-face, breathing the same air. In our world of digital transformation, we cannot forget we are analog and need that gathering campfire that Mission Bay will provide to the citizens of the greater San Francisco Bay Area. We promise it will be a state-of-the-art platform that will be both elegant in design and a place that will be front of mind here 
for what will be happening culturally and civically in this community. We respect the invitation of the mayor and the voices of the city's political leaders and the input and narrative of the community as well as artists, athletes, performers and audiences that will help to shape this into a world-class offering. We have set the bar high in design and function to attract a varied menu of the best and the brightest international and local artists and performers, as well as dance, convention, Pac-12, possibly Olympics, and most importantly, a place in Mission Bay to be for that neighborhood also to call their own. Our attitude and our aptitude will be innovative, inclusive, and inspired in order to add this landmark to the city's proud heritage. Our experienced organization that will lead and operate this facility will bring the highest quality of authenticity and service, digitally fit and guest-centric in every touchpoint of our audience's engagement. We are thrilled and excited for this opportunity. Well, I'm here with Warriors owners Joe Lacob and Peter Guber, as well as team president Rick Welts. Exciting times. And, and guys, what makes Mission Bay such a perfect fit for the Bay Area's team? Well, I think uh, it checks every box that we've been looking for since the inception of the idea of coming to San Francisco. It is about 12 acres. Uh, it's an inland site. Uh, it's completely accessible by all forms of public transportation, Caltrain, Muni, BART. Uh, and really, it is in the center of a modern urban area that has been slated for redevelopment that's been ongoing for the past several years. What makes this site the perfect location for the Warriors' vision? The point is, this is going to be a state-of-the-art facility in every possible way. You know, every touch point of guest performance will be utilized. We're going to be a digitally fit organization. That's going to be attractive to the art of the great artists of the world. It's going to be both a beacon and a lightning rod. It's going to serve as a cauldron to present to the world the best of San Francisco, the best artists in the world, a place to gather. And that's really important. It's going to fit in the... It's in the scene of things creatively, beautifully in San Francisco. Well, the last couple of years, you spent a lot of time and money and a lot of effort trying to get the deal done at Piers 30 and 32. What made you switch to Mission Bay? This uh, process has been a long one. We've listened very hard to uh, all the constituencies, you know, politically and as far as you know, members of the community and so on. And there were opposition groups that did emerge. We listened to everybody. It's a very difficult decision to potentially switch off something that you really do love. And it would have been a great site, we believe. But the truth is, this is a lot greater chance of getting done. And uh, we also think it's a fantastic site in many other ways that maybe the other site didn't have. And uh, we're very excited to be able to, again, to finish this and do this for our fans. In listening, as Joe said, to all the constituents that weighed in on this, uh, there was an element that was really heartfelt, not necessarily one that we agreed in or we believe the majority of San Franciscans would have agreed, and that, that an inland site was a more appropriate site for this arena. That said, it still serves every purpose and, and does everything that we need a great, great arena site in San Francisco to do. And it will become uh, everything that we envisioned when the project first started. Uh, and in doing it at this site, we've really taken away some of what were really heartfelt objections by some of the people who didn't think it was the right site for the project. Never opposed the Warriors coming to San Francisco, but maybe that wasn't the perfect place for some. When you start a process like this, you have to be agile and mobile and nimble. You just can't, you know, it's a long time horizon, certain number of years, a lot of forces at work. If you don't have that flexibility, if you don't really have that vision keeping process, you never get there. And the there is where we wanted to get, San Francisco. I think the final thing we realized also is that the city is moving south. In discussions with the mayor and with others, we realized that in moving south, 
the Third Street sort of process going down all the way to Dogpatch and beyond Hunters Point and so on. This is a great way for the city to move. It's going to help the city in a lot of ways. And we think there's going to be a, a, a lot of people going forward as we go forward moving down that way in the city. Anytime you run a project like this, there's always the question, what is the public involvement and how will this venue be financed? Well, that's kind of the amazing thing about this and almost unprecedented. The public, that is public funds, uh, are not involved at all. There is no public money in this, uh, this venture. It is privately financed all the way from the land to the building. It's a little bit unprecedented, but it's just something that's necessary in this situation in the Bay Area at this time in history. I think it really uh, speaks to how special we believe this site is, that a formula like this could even work, because it's, it's never been done anywhere else with an NBA arena anywhere else in the world. And what we really believe is this is so far beyond the Warriors. I mean, uh, what this is going to bring to the city of San Francisco is this jewel that it's never had, a place for artists, a place for cultural events, a place for conventions to gather, which we've never had in our history. We should say one other thing as well. The accessibility of this site mm -hmm. is perhaps even greater than the pier at 3032. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, that, that pier had BART access not too far away. But the great thing about this is we have BART, which you can switch to another train and connect to the Muni and go right to the site, right to the front door of the site. There are, I think, 6,000 or more parking spaces very close to the site in existence, so I think it would be people, easier for people to park as well. Uh, it's just a a very, very good site, actually, in terms of accessibility. And, you know, it's accessible from all four sides. The other site, we just have the one side, the Embarcadero. This is completely accessible from every side, which makes building it, operating it, much more functional. So I have to know, when do the doors open? Well, we're going we're gonna to plan on 2018. Um, and I think, very, I think we feel very confident that we can get it done by then. Uh, you know, I think we've learned over time that uh, these things all have a certain trajectory and path and you have to listen, you have to adjust and so you know, we'll adjust if we have to but we really, really feel very confident we can do this by 2018. And we predict, plead and promise. We promise we're coming. The predictions, you know, that's the almighty. <laughs> this is our path to San Francisco. Uh, we won't take anything for granted going forward. We're still going to be as engaged as we have been in the dialogue in the community, uh, not only in San Francisco, but, but the Bay Area because this is going to be the Bay Area's location. In the Mission Bay Redevelopment Plan uh, when there is a project ready to go at this site, it triggers the construction of a five and a half acre park that people in Mission Bay have been waiting for for 15 years now. So the way the plan works, when, when we're ready to go on this site, we'll get a new five and a half acre park for the entire city and the Bay Area to enjoy as well. You know, this is going to be the place that for generations to come, people are going to come with their family, their friends, and celebrate things that we've never been able to celebrate before in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And our thanks to Warriors owners Joe Lakeham and Peter Goober, as well as President and COO Rick Welts for their cooperation. And it's a very exciting time for the Golden State Warriors as the Warriors continue to be the base team. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. We'll answer your questions on Twitter, at WarriorsVox, as well as a conversation with Hall of Famer Sharunas Marshallonis on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Another one, Steph Curry from distance, his seventh three-pointer of the game. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Bucks. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I'm Tim Roy. Time to answer your questions on Twitter. You can follow me at Warriors Box at Warriors B O X. Before we get to your questions, a quick reminder: a limited number of Warriors playoff tickets are still available. Be there live for Thursday or Sunday's game 
For information regarding Warriors playoff tickets, text PLAYOFFS to 53548. That's PLAYOFFS to 53548. Or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP and press 1. One-time message. Message and data rates may apply. Agreement to receive a text message is not a condition of purchasing a good or service. Well, Bob SJS wants to know about the Warriors. Can they find a way to stop Blake Griffin? Well, head coach Mark Jackson addressed that today in talking to the media out at Oracle Arena. He's an outstanding player, playing at a, a great level right now. We'll make adjustments and then go from there. Well, we'll give him different looks. Uh, he's, he's playing. You know, we talked about going into this series. They have two of the top ten players in the world. And he's a guy that, I mean, outside of Durant and, and LeBron, he's right there in MVP discussion with the type of year he had. So this is nothing new. We've got to be better individually defending him, offering resistance, and then collectively we've got to do a better job. And we thank the head coach, as always, for his participation. Well, the Warriors play the Clippers tomorrow. 7 o'clock is the airtime here on KMBR 680. And while they're playing the Clippers in Game 3 of the first-round playoff series, the D-League Warriors from Santa Cruz will be in the D-League Finals for the second year in a row. Their opponent, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Let's get a preview of the D-League Finals from the voice of the Santa Cruz Warriors, and that is Kevin Dana. The Santa Cruz Warriors and Fort Wayne Mad Ants will duke it out in the D-League Finals. The C-Dubs are in the Finals for the second straight year after knocking off Rio Grande Valley in three games, taking Game 3 147-128 by shooting 58%. Lance Goldburn paced Santa Cruz with 29 points and 14 rebounds, while SC Splash Brothers Seth Curry and Michael Thompson combined for 53, with Curry scoring 15 of his 28 in the fourth. On the other side, top-seeded Fort Wayne swept both Reno and Sioux Falls in the first two rounds, but overcame double-digit fourth-quarter deficits in each series. MVP candidate Ron Howard averaged 21 points, four rebounds, and four assists in the regular season, while Tony Mitchell leads Fort Wayne with 20 points per game in the playoffs. Santa Cruz and Fort Wayne met once this year with the Mad Ants winning by four. Santa Cruz swept the Mad Ants out of the first round last year and will look to do the deed again starting with Game 1 on Thursday in Surf City. The best of three series shifts to Indiana for games two and three Saturday and Monday. Thanks to Kevin Dana. Let's move on now as we continue. Sherman's Marshallonis will be inducted into the Hall of Fame coming up this fall. He was selected by the International Committee and, of course, spent his time with the Golden State Warriors entering the NBA after a fine junior career in Lithuania. He recently paid a visit to Oracle Arena, and I had a chance to sit down and talk about becoming a Hall of Famer with Sherman's. One of the new Golden State Warriors Hall of Famers. And, and uh, first of all, how does that sound? And, and uh, has it sunk into you yet? No, no not yet. <laughs> it's it's really great honor. And, you know, I'm very excited and appreciate, you know, the international committee and the NBA and, the, of course, Warriors. And, you know. How does it feel to be going in the same year with Mitch Richmond? That's... Uh, <laughs> Somehow happened, yeah. you know. It's, it's really, it's. Uh, I've met Mitch, you know. We talk a lot, you know, and remember old times, and it's great. It's great. It's a good teammate, you know. So we we're competing in different worlds, different teams, but you know, we still friends. I'm very happy. You guys were kind of sitting the same in one sense. Uh, you guys were two of the the tougher guards that play in this this league. And, and, and how did you develop that that toughness at an early age? Uh, 
it's hard to say. I, I guess I try to do my best what I can do, and you know, uh, I know that you have to be aggressive, you know, offensive end, you know, and uh, maybe sometimes I didn't trust my jump shot or, or long shot, you know, so I, I thought I, I could be more effective, you know, by penetrating and playing physical game. I know you've told this story before, but since you're going into the hall, I'll ask you again. Uh, when when Donnie Nelson went over, the son of Don Nelson, started scouting in Europe, and how, what was your first interaction with him? Oh, Don is a warm, friendly guy, you know, and, and like maybe our system, and, and we were like kind of more eyes down, you know, and yeah. it's not not too smiley, but I guess he found the ways to explain, you know, uh, I guess advantages, uh, Golden State instead of uh, Atlanta Hawks, you know, where they also looking for me. And, and uh, of course, there was a changes in the team, this young team, uh, fast basketball and, and, and good teammates, and I believed him. In, and I'm uh, really thankful that, you know, I, he brought me to the Warriors. What was your first reaction when you met Don Nelson, the dad? You know, you know, in our in our system, in in the in our pro Soviet time, you you have to listen, coach. You don't talk to coach, you listen. Yeah. You know, so that's uh, I try to do the same way. You know, listen what coach is telling me. But I could understand most of the time, first two years. But you know, Danny was kind of helping out with uh, you know with uh, with the you know, I guess with the drills, with yeah. with language and. This, and, you know, it was a tough, tough experience in, in the beginning. Did you enjoy playing the way the Warriors played? Because it looked like it was a, a fun style, the way you guys played back then. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fast basketball, lots of points, you know, and uh, penetrate, pass, you know, I think is, I don't know, lo- looks like you know, we played open game, but we had, I don't know how many, over 50 plays. Really, yeah, so he was running plays and for players, and I remember the zones when uh, you know three small guys you know right. were playing you know on the yeah. one side yeah. and we were like you know five <laughs> minute on the other five, five <laughs> plays in the, five five plays in the in the row you know so we were hanging out you know far from basket you know but it's, it's good so it's I'm learning I, I you know I'm learning and now I'm also telling my coach that the coaches is a basketball academy that's you know if it's a play works you know you can play many, as many times you want you know so as, as many times effective talk about your academy and the work that you're doing over in Lithuania I've, you know academies will be 22 years old and and lots of you know, lots of good kids you know and I think it's is a contribution to national team pretty big contribution and uh, yeah, it's now, especially last two years, I want to just uh, to work with more talented kids. It's instead of 800, now we diminished to 500. And, uh, and uh, I, be- I believe that things, what I gain and what I learn by playing, by watching basketball, I can, uh, I can uh, really, I would say, explain and, and tell coaches, uh, and they can also add something to their careers and then and teach kids and the right things. That's great. You're passing along the, the knowledge of the game. Before I let you go, i got to ask you about a couple of former teammates and one that you're joining in the Hall of Fame. Uh, give me your thoughts on Chris Mullen. Yeah, you know, we we have 
ex- exchanging calls. You now we had a dinner like uh, a couple of days ago, and a lunch with with uh, Chris and with Gary Sinjin, you know, and remember old times and and there's, there's always things to talk about and, and uh, really admire or you know looking looking up to Chris you know his work ethic you know and his uh, how, how he's uh, you know really working hard for himself and you know and and, and contributed to to game of basketball and I'm happy that he's going to introduce me uh, to the Hall of Fame as a you know as a He'll be your presenter at the Hall of Fame, which I thought was great. And then, of course, when I work on Warriors Radio at home games, uh, I get to work with uh, Tom Tolbert. Let me tell you, that's an experience. Uh, how about some thoughts on Tom? Well, Tom is, yeah, it was, it was a good couple of years with Tom. And it's always fun. He's different. And, you know, and, uh, you know, excited, happy. That's just really not too many people around, around you like Tom. Hey, congratulations on, on the honor. It, it's great what you're doing for basketball back home, and uh, we appreciate your contributions to the NBA game and, and continued success, and enjoy the ceremony. Thank you. Thank you, too. That is Sharunas Marshallonis. I'm Tim Roy. We'll talk Warriors and Clippers and NBA playoff basketball with Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports as the weekly roundtable continues on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand, rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hi, Tim Roy. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues, and always a pleasure to talk some round ball with Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, a Bay Area guy. And here we are, uh, Game 3 tomorrow night, Warriors and the Clippers. Uh, How do you see this series? We've had two games in the second game, you really couldn't read anything out of that game because of the way the Clippers played. Well, I think the thing is that people have to remember is forget about the scores in these games. You just got to know who won. And what I take in mind is it's 1-1, and the Warriors got one. Now, it was game one, and in game two they got beat up, but they still have home court going into a place that's really, really hard to play, and, and, and they take it to the next level. So essentially – if the Warriors win all their home games, they won the series. So regardless to what happened in game two, and certainly there's some momentum there from the Clippers, the really the true momentum is still with the Warriors because they're an advantage in the series kind of the same way, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, as they were with Denver right. a year ago, and they took care of business at home. So now it, it gets interesting because, you know, this crowd can't play for, for the Warriors, but it certainly can lift them. And I think they'll play great here. And um, it'll be interesting to see how much better they can play in their home court. But the, the advantage is there is forget the score. A couple of days have passed. I think they let it gone by. But when the Clippers come in here, regardless of how that 40 points or whatever they won by, they're still at the disadvantage. Do you expect the, the Warriors to try to get the ball uh, out of the hands of Blake Griffin? it's going to be tough because they have a great point guard in Chris Paul that's going to figure out a way to either get it to him or score it himself. Um, you know, I think the thing is you can't get let the Lob City get going because that's that's when I think Blake is at his best. He's he's improved dramatically offensively. I believe he'll be in the top five voting for MVP when it's all said and done. He got one of my votes for top five. And uh, Steph got one of my votes for top five. We know who the top two were, but he, he's making his – Griffin is making his jumper. 
he he would expend so much excruciating energy on post game before, but now he's turning and facing, using his athleticism and his quickness to score. So he's making it very very difficult on the defenses. I think Doc has gotten him good spacing, done a good job to take his offense to the next level. And the only thing that has stopped him so far is the referees. I think you're going to have to double him or run the zone. I don't know if the Warriors are willing to do that. But to me, those are the only two things that could stop what Blake is doing. And then obviously on the other side, the Clippers have done everything they can to keep Steph Curry from being a factor. Yeah, you know what? Steph saw some – I think he saw some daylight in the second half of the last game. I don't know if anybody was watching <laughs> by then. But he was saying uh, this morning – that is, it, he needs to get to the paint. And if he could get to the paint, things could happen. Um, there's probably going to be some beatings in the paint if he's trying to go for layups and stuff like that. And seems like they're doing a little bad boys with him. Um, but uh, A great 30 for 30, by the way. Oh, it, was, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was very good, very good. The Adrian Danley <laughs> stuff is what I like the best, but yeah. it's another story. But I, I, I do – think he saw something that maybe could make it a little different for him. So I'm I'm curious to see how he adapts tomorrow. You know how he plays here anyway, but he plays great anyway. He he he's in due for a break breakthrough game, a uh uh super game and uh it'll be interesting to see how he uses what he saw in that second half of game 2 to to help him the rest of the way. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, our guest, and we're talking uh, playoff basketball. Uh, of the other series, uh, what storylines have jumped to you? You know, the Wizards are making me look good. Yeah. I've been saying for like literally a month and a half, two months, to anybody who listened to me nationally or whatever, that the Wizards are the third best team in the East. But they haven't played that way. Uh, obviously, Nene being out for a while certainly has a factor. I don't know if the coaches, they, they've responded to the coach, the head coach, as well as they should. But this starting five that they have is a scary starting five. I mean, you got an all-star point guard in John Wall, who's now not scared of the playoffs anymore, along with Bradley Bill, fantastic shooting guard. He'll be a future all-star, uh, second-year guy. They're, they're great together. Nene is back. And when Nene plays well with that team, they're capable of beating anybody. Gortat is physical tall and he's agile too so he's he definitely may, is making it tough for Noah to use his strengths in this series and then at small forward you got Trevor Reza who's capable of giving you 30 on any given night they have a great big starting five their benches are kind of kind of light which is their problem but I could tell they've shrunk their rotation um I I, I really like what they're doing and uh, I'm glad I it makes me look like I know something because they're playing well all of a sudden. Portland is interesting, too. Uh, I thought that was a big win for them in Houston the other day. I was watching that game, and all of a sudden I look up and I go, he's got 40? You know, Marcus Aldridge? And, and the thing about LaMarcus, he's, you know, he, he's not going to do anything that's going to be in no highlight reel, really. But he's kind of Tim Duncan-ish. You know, the way he makes shots off the glass, the way he shoots jumpers, his double-doubles. I mean, he's not going to do the Blake Griffin stuff. But with all due respect to Blake Griffin, I'd probably rather have LaMarcus or maybe LaMarcus over any power forward in the league. Wow. I just think he's that good. He's almost seven feet. He's big. He's, he's, his game is quiet, but it's deadly. And um, maybe we need to – this 
in the playoffs is where I think he'll get more respect for how good he actually is. When you're talking about uh, Portland, uh, boy, just no deer in the headlights at all with Damian Lillard. None. Well, you, you expect that. I mean, he's from here. <laughs> when he's seen headlights here, it's for different reasons. So <laughs> there's nothing for him to be scared about. <laughs> I mean, but the, the funny thing is, you know, he never played an NCAA tournament. I don't know. I don't know if we were played in the NIT, but that's not the same level. So essentially, game one for him in the postseason might have been his first postseason game since uh, Oakland's Oakland uh, City or or whatever league they're in. You know, since they played Oakland Tech in the playoffs for their, I don't know. But you know, I I actually got to spend some time with him in Portland uh, a couple of days before that game, and you could just tell he was excited. He's one of those people that embraces the moment and isn't scared of the moment. He he looks forward to the moment, and he just he just wants to prove no matter what his game is, he still thinks he needs to improve on it. And the thing I like about him the most is just his humility, man. The, the dude isn't changed. He's still cheap. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to spend the hundred-plus million dollars he got from Adidas. That's not even – you're not going to see him homeless in Oakland. He'll, he'll have his money. And uh, he's still the same cool guy. Back in the day, it used to be the New York City point guard. Has Oakland kind of taken some of that away? A lot of people taking away uh, presidents over New York as far as <laughs> NBA players. But it's amazing to me that a city that's not even, I don't even know if it's half a million or not, can produce NBA players like it has. The next one's probably going to be Ivan Rapp. Um from Bishop O'Dowd. I don't want to jump the gun to you, but he's could be the number one senior in the country next year. I think people need to go out and check him out. And uh, Another special guy to see um, who certainly has almost kid-like fanfare, so I think you'll, you'll see a big... If you don't know who he is now, you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't got a kid that's like a nephew who's six... He's six seven, going into the ninth grade, and he's 260 pounds. He's, he's going to be bigger than Shaq. <laughs> They Miles Owens. I mean, it just. You're not I going think, in the agent business, are you? <laughs> I might need to, man. I might need to. One of the college coaches asked me, I said, I just know these kids. Um, but, you know, Bay Area, Oakland's, Oakland is, is producing talent, and I think the Oakland Soldiers have a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Even Oakland Rebels have a lot to do with it. I mean, they just love basketball here, and, and you see that in the, in the stands. Even when the team has been bad, it's, it's, it's been awesome here, and that's why it's. So cool to watch the postseason here now because people here and, – and I saw a stat a while ago that per capita more people read about basketball in Oakland and in the East Bay than anywhere else, in the wow. Bay Area than anywhere else, which I didn't know that, but people here love hoop. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, a longtime friend of Warriors Radio. Now, you can score a trip to the Warriors Summer League in Las Vegas with a VIP experience and other great prizes. See specially marked one-liter bottles of Aquafina for more details and contest rules. Enter tonight for your chance to win at warriors.com slash Aquafina. A look at the playoff schedule as we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two. Runner, right hand flip on the rim and down. Draymond Green. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors and the Clippers tomorrow night, 7 o'clock the airtime here on KMBR. 
680. It's all part of the upcoming broadcast brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. I, Tim Roy. And, of course, the Warriors taking on the Clippers Game 3 tomorrow night. And then Sunday, it's Game 4, special 12 o'clock start time. And we're on KBR 1050 on Sunday. There is a Game 5. And, of course, that's Tuesday in L.A. Again on KBR 1050, a 7 o'clock airtime. And, as always, Tom Tolbert is alongside during the playoff competition. Now, for information on Warriors playoff tickets, text PLAYOFFS to 53548 or call 888-GSW-HOOP and press option number one. This is our final Warriors Weekly Roundtable until draft time. Stay tuned to KMBR 680 and Warriors.com for details on that show. But, of course, the Warriors try to advance into round two of the playoffs for the second year in a row, battling the L.A. Clippers. I want to thank everybody connected with the show, including Warriors guard Stephen Curry, Jermaine O'Neal, Harrison Barnes, head coach Mark Jackson. We also want to thank Warriors owners Joe Lakeham and Peter Goober and team president Rick Welts, as well as Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, along time friend of Warriors Radio. Dave Feldhouse is at the controls of KMBR 680. He'll be assisting Ray Woodson, who wants to take your calls about the playoffs right now. 808-KMBR is the number. That's 808-KNBR. It's been a great year for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We thank you so much for listening. As always, your questions and comments are encouraged. You can send them to me on Twitter at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVox, or send me an email at the Warriors website. That's Timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. Finally, our thanks goes to the uh, man who makes it all happen behind the scenes. Uh, that is Warriors radio producer R.C. Davis. And remember, you can never text or email him about anything happening in real time. He watches everything tape delayed on TiVo. I'm Tim Roy for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And again, Warriors Game 3 tomorrow night against the Clippers at Oracle. Cannot wait. It's going to be a special atmosphere out at Oracle Arena as always. So you make sure that you're huddled around the radio tomorrow night. 7 o'clock with a pregame show with Tom Tolbert right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala, right to Clay Thompson, back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the rim, and he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.